It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about Andrew Painter's UCL injury, some pitch clock and pace of play stuff from spring training, and speaking of, what I've seen from the Grapefruit League while I've been down here in Florida. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And Monday is your episode. All questions on this show come from listeners of the show. Reminder, if you have a question for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crossy Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Lockdown Farm. You can email us, LockdownMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the Lockdown MLB Prospects Discord. Link's in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. My apologies for the subpar audio. A little bit of a weird situation on the road here. Haven't quite had the usual equipment that we have, and we're making it work the best we can. So one of the main things that we got asked about, right, is Andrew Painter. He has a UCL sprain, and so the question is, does he need Tommy John? What does this mean for the number one right-handed pitching prospect in baseball, uh, our tall king, Andrew Painter? So good news and bad news, obviously. Uh, good news as far as the type of UCL sprain he has is the best possible case scenario for when and what it is. Kind of explain, let's back up a little bit. Uh, reminder, a sprain is a tear, either partial or full, of a ligament, typically referred to partial for a sprain. A strain, as compared to a sprain, so a T instead of a P, a strain is a muscle or tendon tear. So ligament, sprain, muscle or tendon strain and then a rupture is what we call it when you completely tear it it is completely in two pieces not a partial tear but completely torn we call that a rupture you ruptured as ucl so the thing for andrew painter uh, if you would if you're not driving right now stick your right arm out with your palm facing forward and your thumb facing up right okay so the ucl is in the elbow the bottom part of your elbow, that is the proximal. The top part of the elbow where, where the UCL goes to would be the distal. The difference in a proximal tear and a distal tear is significant. So Jeff Passan of ESPN tweeted out a link to a scientific study that was done, published in a journal. I didn't see which one. Doesn't matter for the conversation. But in the study, they looked at 32 pitchers that had either proximal or distal tears. Proximal was the bottom of the arm, distal was the top. Easy way to think about it. Just let's stick with that. That's not exact. If you're a doctor, please don't correct me. That's just the layman's thing here. Of the 21 pitchers in the study with a proximal tear, so the bottom of the arm, the one that Andrew Painter has, of the 21, 17 of them were able to resume playing without needing surgery. So 81%, 17 to the 21, made it back to play without needing Tommy John surgery. Versus of the 11 pitchers with a distal tear, which is the other side of the elbow from a proximal tear, nine of those 11 did need surgery. So it, it, 
it actually comes out to you are 12 and a half times more likely to need surgery if you have a distal tear than a proximal tear. So there is hope that Andrew Painter will be able to play this year without needing to have Tommy John surgery. The process would be four weeks of rest. And by rest, we mean Andrew Painter does not pick up a baseball for four weeks, at least. No baseball activity, no work. You're not lifting weights. You are resting the arm completely. After those four weeks, the Phillies are going to have him begin a light throwing program. Now, traditional rule of thumb is every week of rest requires about a week of throwing to regain your form. So working off of this timeline, you would look at four weeks of rest would take you into mid-April. Four weeks of throwing would take you into mid-May. So theoretically, you could see him throwing in a minor league contest in May. Now, in reality, I expect them to be a little more patient, a little more cautious with this. And so instead of four weeks of rest, four weeks of throwing, and back in games in May, you probably don't see him back in games in June. And it's definitely not the MLB level. It's probably a scenario where you're looking at, if he gets to MLB at all, it's probably the second half of the year at best. Now, again, the bright side is there is precedent for this type of tear, a proximal tear, not needing surgery. But if Andrew Painter does need surgery, you are in the best case scenario for it. Because look at the timing. It's typically 15 to 18 months after Tommy John surgery before you are back and able to be competitive again. It usually takes a full two years to look like your traditional self. If he gets the surgery in mid-May or he gets the surgery in April, there's no real difference in the timeline for when he is back to what some would consider to be full strength. That's still going to be the 2025 season. It doesn't matter if he has the surgery next week or if he has the surgery in a month or in six weeks. You're still looking at that 18 to 24 months wrapping up around spring training 2025. So uh, you don't run a lot of risk by giving him an opportunity to rehab this for four weeks to rest, to let it heal to begin light throwing and working his way back into action. Because if you won, you might be able to get him back this year and continue the development. And if you're not, and he has to have the procedure, there's no real difference. You weren't him being ready to pitch in games in January 2025 versus February doesn't matter because the season, spring training doesn't happen until March. So there's no real difference in waiting a month. Best case scenario. Now, while we're here in Florida, people have asked about the pitch clock and pace of play and my observations of what I've seen with the big leaguers in person. And as somebody who watches a lot of minor league games, 100% in favor of the pitch clock. It's such a better experience for the fan, for the, the interested observer who's there, maybe for the prospects and not the team, things like that. But pitch clock and pace of play stuff from Grapefruit League. So through Wednesday, we're recording this on Saturday morning. Uh, getting ready to go out for Saturday's Grapefruit League games. But through Wednesday morning, and some of these stats come from uh, some folks at the, at the Athletic, Jason Starks, done a good job of accumulating these and checking these. 
Average game time in spring training this year, two hours and 36 minutes. Average game time through this point of spring training last year, which was a little bit of a rush spring training given the, you know, everything that happened, but still through the first two weeks of spring training, three hours and one minute. So you went from 301 to 236. You saved 25 minutes. You still get the same amount of action. You still get 27 outs. It's just faster. 27 outs per team, obviously. You get 54 outs in a game. Anyway, uh, the 2022 regular season saw three hours and six minutes. So it's a few minutes faster in, or it's a few minutes slower in the season that is in spring training. But right now you're looking at 236 in spring training to this point through three hours and a minute this time last year. Now, pitch clock violations, that's been a big topic of conversation. Big leaguers adjusting to it. They are adjusting to it. They're adjusting a little bit slower than prospects did last year. Week one, just over two pitch clock violations per game, 2.03. Week two, you had about one and a half per game. So it did drop. Now, in the minors, you saw a similar progression, but it started from a lower point. You started off 1.73 violations per game in the minors through week one last year. 1.29 through week two, just over one violation per game in week three, 0.73 and week four, all the way down until you hit about week six and it leveled off at half a violation per game. So similar scenario that you're, I mean, similar track for MLB. And at this rate, by the second week of the season, you're looking at if that does settle, it'll settle right around where the minor leagues did, where it's about half a violation per game or so. Uh, now, I will say the difference here, stolen bases are up significantly, right? So 2022, you saw 1.6 stolen base attempts per game, 1.1 successful stolen bases. This year so far, 2.4 attempts per game on average with 1.9 successful steals. So you increased almost an entire steal per game, and the success rate went up eight-tenths of that. The levels for attempts, 2.4 stolen base attempts per game, takes you back to where the game was in 1987. And 1.9 stolen bases per game takes you back to success levels from 1919. So as we've been saying, we've been beating this drum now for weeks. Your catcher's arm is so much more important than it used to be. The ability to do pitch outs, the ability to do back picks. These are all things that do not have restrictions on them, like a throw over from your pitcher does. So catcher defense matters even more. You see some teams have adjusted to that. Sean Murphy. Going to the Braves, the Braves said, we want to prioritize a team, uh, a guy with a very, very good arm. The Brewers, with, with William Contreras, who they got in that same deal, they've been very happy with the progress of his arm and what he could do to stop the running game. So look for a lot more act- action with catchers and a lot more back picks, uh, pitch outs, things like that this season. In just a minute. I want to get to uh, specific questions about specific players, including Perlander Baroa of the Mariners, uh, Caden Wallace of the Royals. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain 
that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right combination of skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to fast. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, so questions about specific players from listeners. Uh, Adam P. on YouTube has gone back and watched all 30 of our farm system previews and had a couple questions about specific guys that he was curious about. We, we kind of aggregated and collated some of the best ones to bring you here. The first one is for the Mariners, right-hand pitcher Prelander Baroa. Uh, my thoughts about what he can do and what can he can contribute uh, for the Mariners in Seattle this year. So 2016 IFA, a little bit of a short, of a smaller guy for a pitcher, 5'11", 170. But 26 games started between high A and double A last year. 286 ERA and 102 thirds innings, 150 strikeouts, 13.4 per nine to 63 walks, 5.6 per nine with five home runs allowed. I don't think he's a starter at the major league level. So 21 of his 26 starts, five innings or less. It's kind of a high effort delivery, and he tends to be a little bit wild at times. You saw the 5.6 walks per nine, but something where the individual tools are fantastic. The fastball is a 70-grade fastball, comes out 98, can touch 101, a lot of late life and finish up in the zone. Looks like a really, really good pitch. The slider is a plus pitch in the upper 80s. Some good vertical dive and late break to it. And tunnels really well off of that fastball. He does have a changeup, throws it in the low 90s. It is not very good. Uh, he really mu very much is a fastball slider guy. So again, he has been starting. I do feel like he is going to be a reliever going forward as far as major league contributions. I can see him right now being one of your top two setup men in the bullpen if everything breaks right. If he can work on uh, the, the control a little bit, and again, I think some of that comes back to being a little bit smaller and how much effort he has in the delivery. If he can rein that in a little bit, I absolutely can see Prelander Baroa bringing down the walk rate of Skosh. And once he does that, becoming, uh, you know, a setup man, possibly even a closer with that fantastic velocity on the fastball and the way the slider plays off of that. Uh, another question from Adam P. was about the Royals. Uh, who is Hunter Dozier's replacement at third base when he's gone? Is it going to be Michael Garcia or is it going to be Caden Wallace? I think the Royals want it to be Caden Wallace. 2022 first rounder out of University of Arkansas. Only got a 27 games in low A last year. So a little bit of a small sample size, but 294, 369, 468. Two home runs, 12 extra base hits, 12 walks to 22 strikeouts, and eight of nine on stolen bases. Defensively, very much looks the part of a good defender uh, at third base. Above average defense. The arm is an absolute cannon. 70 grade. His top end speed isn't necessarily fantastic, right? It's good enough to steal some bases. The instincts are there. The baseball knowledge and IQ is there. Uh, but 
third base, not so much range as it is quick reactions. Uh, and again, the arm strength, and he's got both of those. Offensively, it's a very smooth swing. I've got him as an above average power producer once he fully finishes out developing. And so I think he's going to be the guy. Michael Garcia, by comparison, feels very much like he's going to end up being more of a utility role, right? 2016 IFA, six foot 180, got 118 games between double A and triple A. Uh, 285, 359, 427, 11 home runs, 46 extra base hits, 58 walks to 102 strikeouts, and 39 of 47 on stolen bases. Now, we'll give him credit. We've talked about for a while he needed to add strength. He did hit 11 home runs last year. That was a career high, and I believe it was pretty significantly above where he had been before. So give him credit there. But it's really been mostly a gap power uh, kind of profile, right? Hit over power, could put the ball to all fields, just didn't have a ton of oomph behind it. Really good hand-eye coordination, good play discipline. And then defensively, uh, has been playing shortstop, above average arm, plus defense in the infield. Could play short, could play third, could play second. Really feels like he's probably your utility guy around the diamond. but. There's always been the question about that power ceiling. I mean, maybe at its best, being 10 to 15 home runs and not just not where it needs to be to be an everyday starter uh, at third base doesn't fit the profile. Now, if some of these power gains have in fact been real, that definitely does help. So we'll see what happens there. But just not something where we necessarily expect him to be uh, to be the starter. He will get the first shot. Once Dozier's gone, because he is more advanced than Caden Wallace, unless Caden Wallace can take a jump in 2023 and Hunter Dozier stick around all year, then Caden Wallace might have a chance to compete with Garcia for the job out of spring training next year. Uh, third and final question from Adam P. was about the Detroit Tigers. Watch them on Thursday against the Pirates in Bradenton. And this is about Andre Lipkiss, uh, 2019 third rounder out of University of Tennessee. Does he have the defense to stick at third? And uh, maybe. So it's something where he's played second, he's played third. He's got uh, uh, slow feet, but the hands are quick. And again, you don't have to have as much top-end speed at third base. You have to have good reactions, good hands, good movements, and a good arm. The arm's above average, but it's accurate, which is what you need. So there's a possibility he could. Uh, I do kind of like him as a utility guy at all of the non-shortstop infield spots. Honestly, if I'm having to pick where I put him, it's second base, third base, first base, utility kind of profile. More contact over power. I think he could hit 15 home runs as a regular. Uh, Andre Lipkis last year, 134 games between AA and AAA. 277, 391, 435. 12 home runs, 47 extra base hits, 86 walks to 89 strikeouts, and 13 to 17 on stolen bases. So. Uh, somebody who you're going to see them uh, let him call him up at some point in time to be a utility kind of guy in the infield. Again, everything but shortstop. I uh, don't necessarily have him as a regular. I kind of see him as that utility guy that can play a bunch of different places. And I think it's just an overall issue with the ceiling as well as good enough defense to get by at third, but not necessarily being exemplary as far as defense at third enough to make up for the lack of a power ceiling. In just a minute. Got questions from our Discord about Jordan Adams uh, of the Angels, Grant Hartwig of the Mets, and then a question about some new technology we saw in the World Baseball Classic. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We all know you have a favorite bar or puff. 
Now is the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'll be voting for the Churro Bar, my absolute favorite. If you want the Churro Bar to win, you'll be voting for it too. Obviously, support your team, support your bar. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, again, at BuiltMarchMadness.com, you will be entered into a drawing. 50 lucky Locked On listeners will receive a free box of Built Either Bars or Puffs. Not only that, one Locked On fan will receive a 12-month subscription to Built. You will have Built's best bars and puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've really got to try Built. We made the drive down here to spring training. We relied on Built Bars to keep us from starving all the way down till we could get down here. Absolutely fantastic. They're good for you, and they taste good. 100% real chocolate, but uh, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. Very, very good for you. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Okay, questions from our Discord. Uh, Captain Dangerous asked about outfitter Jordan Adams of the Angels. That swing should be generating way better stats. Why is it not? Uh, very good question. I wish the, I, I'm sure the Angels wish they knew too. So 2018, 17th rounder out of high school for Jordan Adams. 120 games last year between high, high A and double A. 238, 317, 332. Four home runs, 27 extra base hits. 42 walks to 124 strikeouts, 33 to 36 on stolen bases. The thing you need to know about Jordan Adams, super ridiculously toolsy, right? 80 speed, 60 grade defense. The arm is 50 grade, but it's very accurate. So it works. Fantastic defender. Um, offensively, the raw power is above average. He can crush one in batting practice. The issue is, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool, right? Uh, he gets fooled on spin still, and he struggles to catch up to velocity. It really feels like you are this close to the Billy Hamilton scenario. Fantastic defense, game-breaking speed. We just have to find a way to get him to hit his weight offensively so that he can be on the roster as a fourth outfielder, a defensive replacement, a pinch runner, and a bunt specialist. I mean. I don't know if it's going to be something the Reds flipped Billy Hamilton from a righty to a lefty. So he was closer to first first base. And it was like, but bring it up the line with you. We don't care. That's fine. Just get the ball in play and use your speed. That's almost where you are with Jordan Adams. The ceiling is higher as far as the power is real. It's just he's worked the swing so much. He's tweaked, he's tweaked it. He's tinkered with it. Hasn't quite gotten it where it needs to be. And so... Again, they're going to send him back to AA. You saw a lot of the work some of these guys have done at AA uh, in Rocket City as far as getting better. Hopefully, uh, they can fix Jordan Adams where he can contribute. If you can figure out the offense, if you can figure out the contact tool, you've got a heck of a ball player. Again, 80-grade speed. These guys are very rare that are this fast, this good in the outfield. If you can unlock anything offensively, you've got somebody who can really help your team in the future. Jeremy in our Discord asked about right-hand pitcher Grant Hartwig of the Mets. 2021 undrafted free agent, Miami of Ohio. But uh, 6'5", 235, big boy, worked in relief last year. Looked pretty good, actually. 39 games, 175 ERA. 
in 56 and two-thirds innings. 83 strikeouts, 13.2 per nine, to 24 walks, 3.8 per nine, one home run allowed. He is a classic sinker slider reliever. The two-seam fastball, 95 or so, so good velocity on something like that. Slider's a plus pitch in the low 80s, two-plane break. So if you're a right-handed hitter, it the fastball, he can throw it up and in. It, it's coming in top corner of the strike zone closest to your head. And then the slider looks like it's coming to the exact same place, and it darts down to the opposite corner of the strike zone. Fantastic one-two punch. He does have a changeup, sits in the mid-80s, used to keep a lefty honest. It is decidedly uh, fringe or so. They're not great, but it's really just there to keep a lefty honest because if you think about it, a left-handed hitter, that slider is going to break into him. So rather than getting him to chase when you set him up with a fastball, you have to either try to catch the edge of the strike zone or throw it over the plate, have it come inside on the lefty and hopefully not hit him with it. So has the changeup to keep him honest. And it's really a fastball changeup. Catch the, catch the outside edge of the strike zone with the slider thing there. I still think that he has a really good chance of being called up to help the New York Mets at the major league level this year. Every system, it feels like there's that one reliever you get late in the draft or undrafted in this case that can just fly through a system because they're a reliever, they understand their reliever, and they understand what they have to do. And uh, Grant Hartwig is definitely that guy for the Mets. Final question, Brian in their Discord noticed some of the WBC talk, Team Israel was using something called a trackject machine. And like, what is it and how does it compare to other pitching machines? So the types of pitching machines you have, there's really, I guess, kind of three kinds. There's the base, uh, the base of two spinning wheels. You stick a ball in and it sends a fastball or an occasional slider at you, right? Uh, every youth teams have those. They're all over. The second kind, a little more expensive. Uh, usually have like an extra wheel on it. There's three wheels. But the idea is you can plug into the interface, whether it's an analog or digital interface, you can plug into the interface the specifics as far as a specific pitcher, the spin rate. You can plug in the velocities, the locations, the preferred usage per against lefties and righties. So like we're going to plug Grant Hartwig in there. And if you're a... If you're a right-handed hitter, you're going to get about 95%, sorry, about 45% fastballs and about 50% sliders. You can plug that in exactly. And then it'll mimic that. You can set it to to either randomize the sequence or you can set it to do based on the percentages of what this guy typically throws to a batter of that handedness. You could choose the locations. Control it oftentimes for, for like an iPad. A coach can stand outside of the hitting cage and control it. The trackject machine is that idea to the next level. It combines all of the advanced ability to program in a specific player's arsenal with a projector screen uh, that has a high-definition image and video of that pitcher that is synchronized exactly with the release of the ball by the machine. So if you are, in this case, it was Team Israel using the machine. If you are uh, a hitter for Team Israel, you're Jock Peterson, and you've never faced a pitcher that you're going to face in the WBC, let's say Sandy Alcantara, you can go in there and you can get at-bats in the box against Sandy Alcantara. You can see not only his pitch mix, 
and what those exact pitches look like statistically, but you can watch him in his patterns and his movements as he delivers it. You can raise and lower and adjust the, the release point. The only thing you can't do is change the extension towards the plate, but you can change everything else about the pitch characteristics, the angle it comes in, where the release point is, everything. And the computer automatically syncs up the video with the actual release of the ball. So a lot of the advanced machines that don't have this video component, a lot of like Power 5 colleges and all the big league teams have those. The track check machine, uh, machines, again, that's the next wave. Not as prolific yet. I want to say like five or six different uh, MLB organizations have these so far. Team Israel is using them. Uh, it's it's the next thing that you're going to see adopted across probably 27 or 28 of the 30 teams in baseball. There will be somebody who won't want to spend the money on a player development tool like this. But for the most part, this is the next wave. You take a funky guy like a Nestor Cortez who likes to play timing games with how long the hold is and the leg lift and all of that. You can program all that in there. You can program all, you can upload all the different videos in there and program in the timing to vary how long he holds that before he releases it. It just it it it, it helps make the the hitters comfortable with a pitcher they've never before faced. If they have an unusual quirk, something odd, a crossfire delivery, some weird deception thing because of the release, whatever, you can program all of that in and you can get used to seeing it. It's a great tool. One of the ways that technology has made hitting even uh, better, which you have to do because hitting's gotten even harder to do with how much pitchers have improved in the last couple of years. Fantastic week this week. We'll be back in the studios tomorrow. So back to normal sounding audio. Again, thank you for your patience with this travel. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, prospects at gmail.com or Drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link's in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Oh.